Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, one8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson! Lawson, what are you thankful for this oh, morning? I'm thankful that I feel terrible. Okay. Yeah. This is good. Yeah, because... The Bible says to be thankful in all things, including when you are feeling terrible. Amen. I, I guess. feel so terrible because I've eaten so much fantastic food. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like a, a slob. Like, I'm just so <laughs> slow. Lawson, why have you been intemperate with your food? Oh, because it was Thanksgiving lunch yesterday at your house, and now I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> Yeah. I'm struggling. I'm just like, oh, but it was worth it. Like, <laughs> Lawson was was looking a little a little under the weather as he walked in this morning. <laughs> yeah, it's just because I've eaten so much. But that means like I'm actually really happy. You know, I'm actually so grateful and happy that you know, and thankful for Thanksgiving and the lunch that we had. But at the same time, I'm like. Ooh. <laughs> what, what are you thankful for this morning, Lyle? Oh, um, mm, where do I start? Well, I was going to be thankful for Thanksgiving. You've already kind of taken that one because we had that yesterday. You be thankful for Thanksgiving as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, thankful for all the people that turned up, um, good friends to hang out with. It was just an all in all, all, all good day and every Australian. Uh, we need to have an Australian Thanksgiving. I, 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 I move and vote that we have an Australian Thanksgiving. Mm. Because what's wrong with giving just, just, thanks? Just, yeah, yeah. We don't have to have, you know, lots of countries have Thanksgiving apart mm. from America. Um, Norfolk Island has Thanksgiving. If Norfolk Island can do it, we can have Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. I'm keen. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. This should be a public holiday. Yes. This should this that's sh- right. Should be a day off work. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That, that's National, what we need. Federal public holiday. Mm. Right yeah, there. I fully agree. Let's. When do you think we should have it? Oh. We should have it in tandem with another public holiday, so, so you we get, get a, more a longer, time a longer off. weekend. Like I'm thinking, you know, maybe the Queen's birthday or something like that. Yes, and it just floats. It's one of those floating public holidays uh-huh. that just goes wherever, and it can just it makes a long weekend. Yeah, and just attaches to any other public holiday. Maybe we just do it randomly each year. Maybe just have a, a, a rotating roster where it just moves from one public holiday. Yeah, to the yeah. Next. It's just like Easter one year, Queen's birthday the next year, Australia Day, Australia Day the year after that. Like I am so keen. You don't even know. Like yes, I I move to to um to to make this a thing. Weather. Weather. Oh, look, we'll get into it in the next section. This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Right across Australia right now, this is Blue Highway with Wondrous Love. love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul. 
What a wondrous love is this that calls the Lord a bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul. To bear the dreadful curse for my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this that calls the Lord a bliss. To bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul. To bear the dreadful curse for my soul. When I was sinking down, sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down beneath God's righteous frown, Christ laid aside his crown for my soul, for my soul. Christ laid aside his crown for my soul. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing and joyful be. And through eternity, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And through eternity, I'll sing on. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul? What wondrous love is this, oh my soul? What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of this to bear the dreadful curse for my soul? To bear the dreadful curse. That was Blue Highway with Wondrous Love. You're listening to Faith FM. We're about to start our quiz for the day, for the week. What have you got for us there, Lawson? I got a quiz. That's good. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm glad you got a quiz. Yep, Uh yep. I have a quiz. Okay, here we go. Who am I? Yeah. Both Moab, the father of the the Moabites, and... Ben Ami, the father of the Ammonites, are my sons. Okie dokie. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. There you go. There you go. All right. So, no double prizes up for grabs today because Lyle just smashed it out of the park. First go. But you can give us a call 1-800-324-843 and you can win a prize completely for free. One amazing, incredible, lucrative prize that we have on hand here at the studio. Give us a call and you can win it. Okay. What have we got for uh, positively different news this morning? Oh, okay. I... My... My news story isn't necessarily positive, 
but okay. it is at the same time. Well, that's all right, because I've got a positive story in oh, my second. Okay, so just doing a, a swap route. Okay, so basically, over the weekend, um, anyone who's been paying attention to the news would have seen uh, that we have had another terrorist attack in London, unfortunately. Um, on the London Bridge, uh, a guy with a knife just started slashing up people. Um, which was just, it's just a super, super unfortunate story. Um, as this guy, he was like a previous offender. He got, he was jailed, um, for having something to do with a plan to blow up the London Stock ex- Exchange a couple years ago. And then he was jailed. And then they let him out on parole and he had like a tracking chip and all this stuff, like all the precautions that they thought would be necessary to keep this guy under wraps. But unfortunately, it wasn't. Um, if, but if a person is determined, a person is determined. The only thing you can do is lock them up. Mm. And it was just, yeah, a really unfortunate scene. Um, and uh, they've uh, two people have died: uh, Jack Merritt and uh, Saskia Jones. Um, unfortunately, Terrible. both, yeah, both young people as well, young people, scholars, um, university, you know, graduates um, this year actually. And so, yeah, just a horrible, horrible story. But the one, the one good thing that's that's come out of this the one the one relatively positive thing for a terrible situation um is the way that the people on the bridge put their lives in danger to stop this guy this was crazy this was just insane um and notably the man was actually so the, the attacker um was taken down by one guy armed with a fire extinguisher and another guy armed with a five-foot-long narwhal tusk. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. I'm just... I, I, I am trying to digest this piece of information yes. because um, over the weekend, being somebody who works in, uh, in, in news media, I took a break from the news mm-hmm. uh, to focus on Thanksgiving. And so I missed this story. Yes. So this is the latest um, self-defense weapon that we now get to carry around is a narwhal tusk. And let me say, like, because when someone said this to me, I'm thinking, you know, maybe one that's like 30 centimeters long, like 40 centimeters long, some kind of just pointy thing. This thing is five foot long. Yeah, you see those things on narwhals. There's like a massive they're, they're great huge. spear. Yeah, they're huge. Like I, I'm like five eight. It's like nearly as tall as me, and this guy's carrying this thing around like a giant spear. And yeah, basically, where did subdue he, the where, attack? I have to ask, where did he get a narwhal task, and why was he walking across London Bridge carrying a narwhal task? And this is this is what really hasn't come out. The guy um, who. It's the guy, like, from from the, the reports that I've seen and from the news articles that I've read, um, the guy who actually had the narwhal tusk kind of just bounced and was like, oh, I don't want anything to do with this, and left. Like, after taking a guy down with a narwhal tusk. So, really, just like a silent, silent vigilante narwhal tusk guy. It's like <laughs> oh, that's most, such a bizarre story. Epic it's going to come out sooner or later. The oh, man with a narwhal tusk. I mean, how many men are there in the world who have a narwhal tusk? Yeah, just, just, just randomly sitting in out. their bedroom. I think the most interesting thing is that there's actually a photo of the scene where, like, one guy's spraying him with the fire extinguisher. The other guy's, like, pointing the narwhal tusk at him. And it's like, okay, 
you know, because everyone's kind of just drawn to the Narwhal Tusk. It's like, oh, what about the guy with the fire extinguisher? He's like stopping the guy with a knife. I think all around it was... No, no, this was some gutsy moves. And yeah. I think this is something that we are starting to see and we're going to see more and more of with these terrorist attacks is because this is what we saw with the milk crate in in Sydney. Yeah, exactly. You know, mm. where uh, people realise that if you don't step in and do something, a lot of people are going to die Mm. And when somebody does step in, the bystander effect is broken. Everybody else then gets to step in. And the casualty rates are so much um, less. Now, of course, if you don't have the uh, the attitude and the ability to step in, then yes, definitely you need to yeah. run. Um, and, and the biggest part yeah. of that, of course, is the attitude. Um, if you don't have that attitude, then get out of there. But if you've got that attitude, then... Um, you may be in a position to be able to save a lot of lives right here. Mm. And, yeah, there was a, uh, a a quote from one of the police chiefs who just said, you know, I I, I attribute this a success to the brave Londoners who, who stood up, you know. I think often, sometimes in this situation there's a little bit of denouncing, like, oh, maybe they shouldn't have done that. Maybe, you know, they could have put others at risk. But people are recognising this as, you know, a truly heroic move. And it was what happened in Sydney. Mm. You know, how many people would have died in Sydney if uh, if they hadn't stepped in with a milk crate? Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's just really fantastic to see. Oh, man. I'm using environmental weapons, you know, whatever is uh, <laughs> available right then and there as a force multiplier, and you just go in and go for it. Yeah, I don't want to necessarily dive too deep in this, but this could very easily turn into a conversation about the use of guns in society and how, man, to stop terrorists, we just need normal tasks, bro. <laughs> As you could say, this could be a, a long and challenging discussion that we could have right here. In milk Controversial crates, as all, but narwhal a milk, tusks, a milk crate, a, nus, a narwhal tusk, and a uh, fire extinguisher. Fire Bam! There you go. You, you're good. <laughs> Nothing illegal about any of those things. No, we we, should... we we can just you know carry them with us mm. for whenever we need to. Yeah, and just just hang out and be ready. Be ready for anything. <laughs> Okay, just but just before I, I uh, close up, I just have one story that's really, really, really heartwarming. Um, oh, just in my opinion, anyway, because I think it's really, really cool. Um, a lady from America, her name's um, Teresa Verline. She's a 65-year-old veteran um, who, unfortunately, in 2011 was paralyzed, but she has just completed the New York City Marathon. By using a robotic exoskeleton. Oh, you're kidding me! No, no, I'm serious. So that's that's a that's a decent effort. Yeah, yeah, this is like awesome. So, it, like a marathon, that's that's 42 kilometers, and she completed. It took her a number of days to complete. It took her two days, and um, yeah, like she is it's like a mech. Yeah, basically. And, well, if if you actually see this thing, like, I'm thinking, like, some huge thing and she's, like, running as fast as everyone else. No, it's very, you know, the technology's not at that place at the moment. Um, Man, I've got a similar story to this coming up. But it's, like, it's just really, really, really cool. She's just, like, you know, um, she's she was accompanied by a number of trainers who were beside her, leading her forward. And this, you know, mech suit, it kind of, like, has, it wraps around her legs and then she's got, like, two poles on her arms as well to, to, to keep her stabilised and balanced and and yeah it's just really really inspiring i've actually 
Oh, man, you know when you just get into this trend of like watching particular things on YouTube or being interested in... Th- My big thing lately has been rock climbing and distance running for some reason. I've been like watching all the... Well, because recently Elliot Kipchoge, a guy from Kenya, like set the world record for the fastest ever marathon, which is under two hours, which everyone theorized was impossible. Um, but yeah, I've just been really into this kind of stuff and to see like... Like, because it's just so inspiring, like humans doing amazing things, you know. And um, yeah, to see that we now have a way to empower those people who are struggling um you know with with paralysis in their legs like that's that's amazing um you know these suits aren't necessarily designed like for that purpose in mind to go and run marathon marathon. but well they're they're more yeah they're they're they were created from the purpose of, you know, and there's a number of different companies who are on this train, Rewalk, Esco Bionics, Rex Bionics, Sudex, whatnot, um, for, you know, for therapeutic measures to help people who are struggling with that. And it's just, it's just so cool to see people taking it, at e- you know, even a step further and being like, like let's yeah, go and do a marathon. Let's go do a marathon with my, with my robotic exoskeleton. So I just, I just think that's really cool, really amazing. Um, I wonder whether sometime in the future, the um, robotic exoskeleton um, runners will be in the Paralympics and um, and actually um, get a better time than real runners. Oh, well, that would be cool. <laughs> that would be cool. Right now, this is BJ Thomas with He's Got It All in Control. Amen. He's got it all in control. He's got it all in control He's put that reassurance Way down in my soul He's got it all in control I've put my life in his hands I've put my life in his hands So every road I walk down I'm sure is in his plan Cause I've put my life in his hands He holds the stars in the sky He's got it all in control He's put that reassurance way down in my soul He's got it all in control
BJ Thomas with He's Got It All in Control. You're listening to Faith FM. We're about to have another clue for our quiz. See if you can figure out what the answer to this one is. And if you can, then give us a call. 1-800-324-843. Okay. I, who am I? We established that. I was captured by the armies of the three kings who joined Kador Leomer to attack my city. Chedor Loamar. Chidor Loma. Okay. Well, who was that? Give us a call. 1-800-324. Well, specifically the person who was captured by the armies of the three kings who joined. Well, there was lots of people who were captured. Yeah, but there was one in particular who we want to know. So give us a call. 1-800-324-843. We only know the name of one. Yeah, we yeah. do. Indeed. Hey, I've got to ask you a question about this uh, robotic... Um Mech suit thing that okay, they yep. ran in the sure. um, in the New York Marathon mm-hmm. um, was it mind controlled? No, it wasn't. Obviously, no. Like, they, why not? They don't have that stuff yet. Yes, they do. Well, they kind of do, but yes, they it, do. Oh, okay. Yes, okay. they do. Okay. Oh, yes, oh, they do. Developed oh. here in Australia. What? Okay, so um, it's called osseointegration, and it is mostly used on legs, but uh, Professor uh, Munjed Al-Mudiris, um, an Iraqi who lives here in Australia now, came to Australia as a refugee, a famous orthopedic surgeon, lives right here in New South Wales, recently uh, put forward to be New South Welshman of the Year, um, is in the process of installing and has just installed the first... Um, mind-controlled robotic arm um, on an individual um, and he's about to do Bruh. his other arm later in the year. So a mind-controlled robotic arm. So this guy this guy lost both of his arms in uh, an electrocution accident. accident. He was holding a steel pole. Steel pole hit the power lines, mm. um, basically cooked his arms and once your arms are cooked... There's nothing left to work with. One arm was amputated below the elbow. The other arm was amputated above the elbow. And so they did the one below the elbow first because you've got more muscles there that you can attach switches to that actually um, have an effect on your fingers because the key to these robotic arms is getting the fingers to work. Mm. And so when you when you wiggle your fingers, obviously the muscles in your fingers are working, but there's also some muscles in your hand that are working, and to a lesser extent there's muscles in your forearm that are working. Mm. But the one that they're now working on is for his other arm, which was amputated above the elbow, and it turns out that there are muscles in um, your upper arm that also work when you move your fingers, like everything sort of kicks into... And they're wiring, you know, the uh, the switches and so forth into those muscles, so that what you think is what happens with the robotic arm and hand. That is the most gnarly <laughs> 2019 dystopian future where everyone has like robotic like limbs Vader. and like you know augmented bodies and you know doing crazy stuff and guns in their hands and like okay 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 okay, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. let me stop you right there because the next level of development that this team is working on is not just a mind controlled robotic arm but a mind control Swiss Army style robotic arm, where if you want to eat your breakfast, you think spoon and the spoon comes out. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> I'm dead serious. <laughs> I am dead serious. This is the world that we are living in right now. Dude, I've never felt more futuristic than right now. This is like, you know, it's it's happening. It's, it's going happening. down. And this is what happens when you have um, reality following art. Yeah, fully. You know, because art copies reality, and then, of course, art goes beyond reality, and reality then copies art, and we have seen this in the movies for the last 20 or 30 years, and so now they're actually doing it. This is like real-life Blade Runner. Like, this is the craziest thing. It is. It is. It's like, I mean, how many movies are there out there, you know, um, uh, that, that that have these kinds of concepts in them? Yeah, sure. Where like, people have been... Uh, yeah, I can think of, like... Three from this year that were released this year, like that just, yeah, it's a huge thing. This idea of like, oh, being, you know, turned into a robot. Of course, it's been super controversial kind of thing because um, basically what they do, the start of it is that they um, drive a um, or or insert a a titanium rod into the bones that are left. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, now that titanium rod has to exist both inside your skin and outside your skin at the same time. It has to go through the skin. And so, you know, surgeons from around the world have been like, well, this is impossible. It's just going to be a constant source of infection. You're never going to be able to control the the infection in the end of the limb, Mm. Uh, which is why they've never, ever done this kind of prosthetic before because, you know, prosthetics have always been, you know, you, you, you strap them to the outside um, you, 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 you put the skin over the ends of the stump so that, you know, because skin is like one of the most important, um, organs of the body. Mm. Uh, without skin, we don't, we don't last any time at all. We just die from infection straight away. Um, and so, you know, amputees have always had, you know, skin sewn over the, the stump to protect from infection. Mm. But here you've got a permanent piece of titanium that's actually poking through the skin and they have now been able to develop this to the point where uh, the infection rate is exactly the same as a normal limb. Now, how they do that, I don't know, but it is constantly poking through. And uh, and now, of course, from that, then you're able to attach all of these robotics to that uh, piece of titanium and um, and away it goes, and then you just you know you just wire it into the various muscles that would normally move, and so when you think about something, um, those muscles you know, are going to respond within your arm, and the arm does its thing. This is kind of sending shivers down my spine, like I'm kind of freaking out. Like I don't I don't know if if anyone out there can tell, but I'm I'm this is this is wild. Like this Lawson is, is literally sitting here with goosebumps right now. <laughs> like, that is so scary, <laughs> like and hectic, and oh man, that is wild. It is. That it is, is. That is. And, and of course, the other thing that they're looking at is uh, voice control. Mm. Um, and so they foresee in the future that they'll be able to do uh, voice control of certain functions where they're struggling to get, you know, muscle control. Maybe there's not enough muscles left to be able to, or nerves left that are able to uh, be wired into this robotic arm and to be able to trigger the movements and so they can replace it with voice control. Mm. Now, that one to me seems like, yeah, okay. We, we, we have pretty, voice control on We're phones. pretty used to voice control these days. If you'd have told me this, you know, 20 years ago, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. Um, but it's kind of just the, the, the normal thing that happens all the time, you know. These days is, uh, is, is voice control, so it's not hard to, as hard to imagine. But, uh, yeah, and so it's, it's early stages with this technology. There are still, you know, quite a lot of functions that it's not able to do. 
Mm. But it's technology that looks like it's just going to expand and just go nuts mm. around the world to give amputees, you know, so much more mobility and usefulness. And, you know, you've got this guy now who uh, who has this mind-controlled robotic arm. He just sits down and eats a plate of food, drinks a, a, uh, a glass of water, and away he goes. That is insane. You know what I'm thinking, though? If it's voice-controlled, then someone else could say stuff. Hack it. Yeah, like... Punch yourself in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Only you would think about this, Lawson. Like, oh, here is a here is an amputee. Let me mess with him, <laughs> dude. It's actually <laughs> like something I saw recently was like a lot of people are having trouble. Like, you know, they'll be live streaming an event and they'll have like an Alexa or Google Home or whatever in the room, and people people can like this is specifically on Twitch. You can send messages that will read aloud. And, like, if someone's got speakers in their room and someone sends a message that reads aloud, like, Alexa, where do you, where do you live? And then the, it'll give out its address to, like, thousands of people and stuff. So, I'm like, okay, they need to refine that technology just a little bit because it's already... And I'm sure they will. ...posing problems at the moment, but, yeah. yeah. They'll well, be able to refine it to be able to just, you know, tap into the individual's yeah. um, voice so that it, you know individual voice recognition so that only you get to control it. Um, but, yeah, amazing stuff. Yeah. And all coming from a guy who arrived in Australia from an in, from Indonesia on a boat. And he's yeah. out there doing his thing, <laughs> becoming New South Welshman of the Year and um, doing what the rest of the world said was impossible mm. to do. And that is having, you know, oh, the other thing they're going to put on these arms is cameras so you can see with your fingers. Oh man, this is like this is getting into like what if you hack that stuff? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> so many. Like I want to see over the top of that wall. Let me reach up my hand. Oh, okay, that's what's happening over there. <laughs> anyway, that's what's happening in our world. This is Solstice. Yes, it is. Wanna say he threw? He threw his loving arms all around me. Yes, he did. And there I found, I found peace and joy right there. I'm gonna hear him say 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia. And joining us on the phone this morning, all the way from Bolivia, is Brendan Potts. Brendan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Lyle. Uh, Brendan, we wanted to, we've been hearing, you know, obviously in recent times, there's been some turmoil happening there in Bolivia. Um, yep. It has sort of disappeared out of the news in the uh, in the last few days but we'll probably be back in the news again. We wanted to get a perspective of uh, you know, what was going on on the ground from somebody who's actually living there and, uh, and working there and also you know, to find out how this may be affecting you know, um, religious organizations um, such as you know, the one that you work with um, right there in Bolivia. So maybe just as a bit of an introduction, um, we've had you on the show before, but could you remind us about the, uh, the work and the ministry that you're doing in Bolivia? Certainly. So uh, we work at a, a health retreat here in Bolivia. Um, we are more focused on educating people on how to uh, eat well, how to take care of their bodies, how to, um, yeah, you know, just with a change of lifestyle, with a, with a good lifestyle, how to um, prevent and treat a lot of diseases and problems that a lot of people have with their health these days. Now, Bolivia is a developing country, so generally speaking, what is the um, health of you know the average person like? Is this a uh, you know is it like a heavy meat eating diet, or or you know are we are we dealing with uh, poorer people who are more or less just uh, subsistence farmers eating what comes out of their um, backyard, so to speak? Well, that's a good question, actually, because uh, where our health centre is located is is right out in the country. And uh, 20 years ago, 15 years ago even, uh, most of the farmers would eat what they produce themselves. And so most of them would have had fairly healthy um, diets. You know, they'd, they'd eat some meat occasionally, but it would usually be the chickens they raised themselves or the cows they raised themselves. Whereas these days, um, they're still growing their own crops, but most of them they take to the city to sell and then they'll buy a lot of the junk food <laughs> that comes out of the cities and they'll eat that. So unfortunately, um, just in the last few years, there's been a huge increase of people with health problems out in the country where they have less access to to health services. Mm, so, mm. so definitely yeah, a... Your ministry there is something that's definitely needed. Now, this is not just a health ministry; it's also a spiritual ministry as well. Exactly. Yes, part of it. Part of the uh, the lifestyle that we um, promote uh, involves a spiritual element, which is um, you know confidence in God and um, and uh, there's a mental health aspect to that as well. And how well is that received by the average person who comes through your retreat? Well. Uh, Bolivia is traditionally a Catholic um, country. Most 
most people here have a Catholic background. There's quite a few Protestants here as well. Um, so most people are very comfortable and used to um, religion in, in, every, in every part of their lives. So uh, us linking religion with health um, generally isn't an issue for, for most people here in Bolivia. We've had probably two or three people who've said they'd prefer to skip the religion bit and just, just stick to what the, just stick to the health. But apart from that, um, most people have been very, very open and very accepting. Yeah, I mean, it seems just looking at the, at the research that Bolivia is, generally speaking, a very religious nation. Would you say that? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, now, the, the president who's, well, the recently ex-president who's just left um, was a openly pagan president, and he has um, you know, tried, tried to promote a lot of the older Andean religions, but the majority of people in, is, are still from a Catholic or Protestant background, even though some of, the, some of them have um, elements of the Andean religions mixed into their Catholicism or Protestantism. So. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about that for a minute. Um, so you've got Eva Morales. He was in power for quite a long period of time there in Bolivia. Um, Nearly 14 years, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a decent stint. Um, yeah. Now, I guess, in exile in Mexico, um, hiding yes. from uh, potential prosecution. Now, as a pagan, you know, in a country that's like, what, 70 80% Roman Catholic, how does that yeah. go down with the Roman Catholics? How do you stay in power for that long when your religious principles are so different from the religious principles of the majority of the population? That is something that I honestly find baffling, Um, (laughs) to be honest. Uh, Like I said, some of it is because uh, a lot of people have a mix of their Andean religion with their Catholicism, so they'll celebrate Catholic. Yeah, they'll celebrate, you know, both events. Um, so I guess that has a big part to it. But even some people who are strong Protestants, even Seventh-day Adventists, who um, should know better, <laughs> I guess, um, still support this this man. And I think a lot of it is because uh, he came in with a, a social agenda, trying to um, help a lot of the poorer and uh, especially indigenous um, population of Bolivia, which uh, I mean, a statistical majority. Um, so I think that might have helped a lot. So even sure. though they don't identify with his religious beliefs, they can support what he was trying to do for the country socially. Absolutely. Now, um, you know, just reading the official reports, it seems that uh, as you know, for Evo Morales as a as a pagan, he supported secular government. He supported freedom of religion. Um, did that work out in practice? Uh, yeah, in practice, it's it's the freedom of religion. I've never heard of anybody who's um, who's been complain who's who's complained about losing a job, for example, for for their religion. However, um, here in Bolivia, Seventh Day Adventists, in particular, have had issues with schools who, um, which run on on Saturday as well as throughout the rest of the week. So Sunday here is the is the clear um, rest day, whereas Adventists uh, have had to navigate in certain jobs and in certain schools. 
and universities, um, how they manage to, to still keep the Sabbath mm. and and um, yeah, fit in with their jobs and with the requirements of their of their schooling. For sure. Uh, apart from that, um, on smaller local government levels, um, so for example, in smaller council areas, they have um, a lot of. It's it's a very interesting system. They have like small unions that are organised um, to control uh, local affairs. And some of those local affairs, for example, where my father-in-law lives in the country, in the city, sorry, um, they will fine him for not going to the Catholic uh, mess or uh, for not participating in the in the pagan holidays or the Catholic events that they have. So, in theory, that's not supposed to happen, but it does. <laughs> now, would so, have pagans, um, and I understand the pagans would be a minuscule part of the population, but would have they have uh, received the same fines for the same things even um, under the Morales administration? Uh, yes, yeah, it's, um, it's all mostly set up so that uh, so paganism is is very mixed with the Catholicism here. They both a lot of the pagan practices were Catholicized, and so the pagans don't really have much of a problem going along with the Catholics and getting together with the Catholics here for their events. Mm, sure. Okay, so we've had a big change of um, of leadership there in Mar- you know in Bolivia from uh, Morales to Anes. Janine Anes has uh, recently come to power and more yes. or less come to power holding a Bible. What's that all about? Now, um, that's something I've actually been meaning to look into more as well. Um, so Morales, I'm, I'm not sure how much you know of the story, but he, when he came into power, he instituted a new, um, a new constitution for the country, na- changed the name of the country from the Republic of Bolivia to the Plurinational State of Bolivia, <laughs> which there's a lot in that, but anyway. Uh, but we still, we just still all call it Bolivia. Sorry? I said yeah, we yeah, just, just still all call it Bolivia. <laughs> That's fine. So under the new constitution, uh, every president should have a maximum term of uh, a maximum of two terms each. Um, so whatever did he when he was coming to the end of his second term, he argued that his first term was un- in the Republic of Bolivia, not in the plurinational state of Bolivia. So he should be allowed to run again. And so he did and got away with that. Um, coming to the end of his third term, he, he claimed that the people were, were asking him to keep going, and so he um, called for a referendum to change the, the constitutional term limits um, to be able to allow for a fourth term. Uh, and he was his uh, he lost that vote by just one percent, uh, but still managed to argue that it was a, a infraction of his human rights not to be able to run for president again. So he ran again um and it was a committee that it was a committee leader from santa cruz uh who was a very strong catholic who um who started rallying people to protest um and right from the beginning it was a very uh christian movement i guess you could say so in every single meeting they had, everybody, we're talking thousands of people that were at these protests would get down on their knees and they would pray to God for their country, for their leaders, uh, and for justice. Mm. And so it was mm. quite an amazing thing to see that happen. And this man, when he uh, he was 
he had the objective to go and, and give the president, the previous president, a letter of resignation. Uh, and so he, to, to, to give it to him in his hand. And, mm-hmm. and before that actually happened, he, um, there was a few reports coming out from the state of American um, countries, I, I believe. I can't remember the exact name. Uh, the name's in Spanish in my head, so I can't. <laughs> uh, not sure. <laughs> you've been, the, you've been, you've been living in Bolivia too long. You're speaking Spanish in your head. Yeah. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, they, they made a, a pre- preliminary report that showed that there had been voter fraud in the uh, elections that took place on the 20th of October. And so with that, um, things happened quickly. The police mutinied, the military mutinied, and Evo Morales handed in his resignation and jumped the country that same day. Yep. Um, and so by the time that uh, the civic leader, whose name is um, Camacho, uh, by the time he came, gave, went in to give the letter, the president had already gone, but he still went in there with the Bible in hand, and which was what he said at the beginning. I'm, I'm not going armed. I'm going with the Bible in one hand and the letter of resignation in the other. So right from the beginning, every step of this of this process was uh, it, it was interesting how the religion has been involved in the whole process. And part of what he said was, "We're going to get the Bible back into the back into Parliament because uh, before that was it was very similar to the United States. The the uh, the um, what do you call it? <laughs> One nation under God is what they have in the United States." Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Bolivia, they had one one God, one pa- one patrimony, one nation. Mm. Okay, so very so, similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 uh, you um you have to support the concept of people getting on their knees and 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 praying for their country. Um, that would be an amazing thing to happen. Um, let me come yeah. to Janine Anez for a moment. And what's her religious background? Sure. I believe she's Catholic, also. Mm-hmm. Now, now, um, the Catholic Church yeah, has a yeah. um, sorry for butting in, but the Catholic Church has a a history right. of uniting church and state, which of course then results in religious persecution against minorities. You're part of a minority religion there in Bolivia. That's correct. <laughs> um, with the new administration and with it being such a such a religious. Um, such a religious movement to create this new administration, people praying, people carrying Bibles into government. Do we face the danger, or do you face the danger in Bolivia of a union of church and state um, taking place in some form or another? And of course, that then disadvantaging uh, other minor- minorities, you know, Seventh day Adventists like yourself, or pagans, or wherever else it might be. I believe that. Everyone's kind of at that risk. Um, not not necessarily just Bolivia. I think there's a there's definitely. I think it's it's necessary for everybody to be vigilant and to um, demand that church and state stay separate. <laughs> but uh, at the moment, I haven't seen any strong warning signs that that would happen. So for just to, to give one example, um, whenever when when Janine Agnes was um, sworn in as president. Uh, there was a few videos circulating of uh, a few policemen cutting uh, the Wipala. Now, that is a Andean flag, that, which represents the Andean indigenous people, but it also represents um, some pagan gods. So the Pachamama, which is the, the Mother Nature, Mother Earth god, goddess, and the Pachacama, which is the 
the male god of the universe. Um, that's they're, they're part of what's involved and what's symbolized in that flag. And when Eva was in power, he promoted the, the use of that flag a lot more. So in every state event, there would be the Bolivian flag, which is the three colors, the red and the yellow and the green, beside the Wipala, which was a multicolored, rain, almost a rainbow flag, but it, with squares on it. Um, and now, uh, yeah, as soon as Agnes got into power, um, there was a few videos circulating of a few policemen cutting the cutting the little weepala off the side of their of their arms. But the president has since come back and said, no, we we have to be supportive of of every all, of all the Bolivians, including the indigenous Bolivians and their beliefs. So mm. hopefully that's an indication that um, there won't be religious persecution um, yet. <laughs> yeah, but I understand what you're saying. Again, there's, no that's saying yet. there's no no country has any guarantees. We certainly don't have them here in Australia either. Um, yeah. With the uh, with all of the political upheaval, has it affected um, how you've been able to run your ministry there? Um, has it had any direct effect on you know being able to travel in the country? Those kinds of things. It's had a very direct effect. <laughs> so uh, once when when there was uh, well, straight after the the elections on twentieth of October. Um, the civic groups in the cities started to block the roads. So there was nothing coming in or out. Um, they did what they call a smart block. So they let all um, medicines, foods come in and out. They let patients, uh, people who had to travel. But general circulation was basically stopped. So there was not, not many people getting to their jobs unless they could walk or ride a bike. Um, and that went on for about 21 days. And at the twenty at the twenty day mark was when Eva resigned and and um, seek and looked for asylum into in in Mexico. Um, but after that, there was the there was the reaction because uh, around about forty five ish percent of the population was still in favour of Eva, and so they took to their streets and and started protesting as well. So they. Most of the most of those people were from the country areas, the rural areas, and so they would block the main highways instead. Um, so for the, there was a time when it was unsafe to to travel and be around the the cities, especially because the people from the country would go into the cities to uh, wreak havoc. <laughs> wow! But uh, definitely, there was no there was no transport, especially for us. Um, for around about a month, I think it was about 35 days mm, in all. Mm. So that meant there was no patients that could get out to us. Like uh, it was, it was fortunate that we didn't have patients with us at the time. Um, but there was no no getting in or out, which was quite an experience. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet it was an experience. Um, would love to be able to talk to you more about uh, how that's all going, but we are out of time very quickly. Have things calmed down yet? Uh, the roads, the, the roadblocks have been lifted. Um, the situation seems to be calming down. There's still a lot of people who who feel a lot of resentment for what happened, um, but most of the country, I think, is is looking to move on and looking to pacify the the situation. Mm. So I believe that um, the next elections, which will be held sometime next year, uh, might spark more problems. But for now, I think we've seen we've seen. Um, the end of them for now, yeah. 
that's Brendan Potts in Bolivia with uh, just a general feel of things uh, right there on the ground. Of course, he's been living there for uh, quite a number of years now. Um, and we need to keep that particular country and particularly religious liberty in that country um, as in all countries as a matter of prayer. You're listening to Faith FM. Are you looking for a way to turn your life experience into an enriching gift for helping those around you? A counselling degree at Avondale College of Higher Education could provide you a great foundation to assist others through life's difficulties. 
study in a personalised environment alongside a fantastic support network and community on our Lake Macquarie campus. Apply to study counselling today at counselling.avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. If you've been enjoying Faith FM Radio, then we'd like to invite you to be part of our family of faith at the King Island Seventh-day Adventist Church. We meet at 9am every Saturday morning at 4 Albert Street, Curry, to spend time together studying God's Word and growing closer as friends. For more information or if you have any questions, call Pastor Barry on 0409 416 697. That's 0409 416 697. Can't wait to meet you. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Sad. 